Good morning, friends. How are you? Good, good. I was, uh, I, I was and continue to be grateful to have had the week off last week and um, Pastor, uh, Pastor Roy, who is, uh, who is uh, a long, long time, I mean, with the exception of my wife, she, you know, he's probably the person that know, has known me the longest and knows me the best in this room, coincidentally. Um, so I appreciate his um, stepping up and, uh, and helping to bring a word. Um, I, I want to start with a few announcements for uh, the week. The first is um, coming up, all right? So um, Thanksgiving is this week, and as, just as it is written in the Bible that you cannot decorate for Christmas until after Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> um, we <laughs> will be decorated. That's a joke, okay? It does not say that in the Bible anywhere. Um, um, we're going to be decorating here at the church on Saturday, okay? A week from yesterday. So Saturday morning, 10 a.m., we have... Two big Christmas trees to set up, um, lights and wreaths and all of the Christmas things. And so if you um, feel so inclined to come and um, help decorate, there will be donuts. Um, and would love, would, love you, uh, would love you to be here. It's usually a really fun time. We have a, we have a good time goofing off with each other. And we'll, we'll throw some of that on social media maybe midway through the week to remind you, okay? So 10 a.m. on Saturday the 30th for um, Christmas decorating here. Um, second announcement, more, more of like a just, I don't even know. It's not really an announcement. But yesterday, um, the Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving event or Thanksgiving serve, um, I know many of you were there. Many, many, many of you donated food and bags and money and resources and I just want to tell you I want to like you know not patronizingly so but I am so proud of conduit I am so proud um it's I mean you showed up you showed up in 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 such a tremendous and big way both in the preparation and leading up to it but also in the actual event and I you know we had we had 300 turkeys um we had the same amount of bags and we were like you know I don't you know y'all you never know like how is this thing how is this thing gonna go and then around noon right the line started in the parking lot and maybe a, a hundred 150 people deep right in the parking lot and then um by by I want to say, like, maybe by three o'clock or so, we decided, you know what? Let's um, let's take half of our turkeys we have left and half of the bags we have left. Let's pack them up in uh, Andreaccio's big box truck and let's let's drive them over to the north side of the city in some of the neighborhoods that we have uh, previously done ministry in and have relationship with, and let's let's do it there too. And we think, well, well, we'll give it a shot. Let's see what happens. Let me tell you what, it was like water on dry ground. 
like like water on dry ground. Um, the the reception not of people who like not of people who were just getting food, right? But of people who um, who you could see in their face that they realized in that moment that they were remembered. You remembered us. You thought of us. Uh, I can't tell you how many conversations I had yesterday um, with people who were saying, like, I, I don't really have anything to be thankful for this year. Or um, I was wondering, you know, like, how we were going to do Thanksgiving. Pastor, can you, can you pray with me? Um, can you you want to meet my grandkids will you can you just answer this question about you know like all you get all the hard questions like why is this happening in my life like why is God letting this happen and all these holy moments of conversation where you wonder like why do we do something like this why, why do we do this right and then with just one person or two people or at least personally in my case probably a dozen or more people throughout the days will you pray Will you pray for me before I leave? Will you, um, will you, like, wh- why, wh- why is this, like, why, why are you doing this? Why, why is this, why does this not cost money? You know, and we get to, we get to tell people that, the, well, this is why we're doing this, because you're worth it. Because you're worth it. And because, contrary to popular belief, there, there is such thing as a free lunch, Right, and and um, and not only is there a free lunch, right, but but you need to know about the the freedom that you have in the grace of Jesus Christ. Like, so you want to know why we do it? This is why we do it, right? The love of Jesus compels us to do this. Not shockingly so, or pridefully so, but simply that. Um, so. We, uh, we completely demolished all 300 bags, all 300 turkeys. Um, it, was, it was not even, not even a problem to, get, to have those um, go out. We, we, we likely, we likely could have um, done 200 more, um, especially on uh, the north side of the city. And it was, again, like a huge wake-up call. Um, you hear the, like... The voice of the Holy Spirit, like all the bells and whistles going off, like, um, don't forget, like, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Um, and so I'm so grateful, um, so grateful to have been a part of it, and so grateful to witness it, and um, so grateful to just, like, be present there. So, um, we, we, you know, we didn't do it for, you know, you know we didn't do it for, like, Shouts of praise and acclamation for ourselves, but take encouragement in the fact that um, there was more than one expression of thanksgiving to God because of what took place yesterday. Um, and so, in all of the best ways, let me say good job. Great job. Um, So, how do we transition from that? 
Um, I, uh, we, we are ending Joseph today. Okay? And the, I told you at the beginning of the series on Joseph what the whole thing was about. Right? There wasn't really, there's not really any question, right? There's no, there's no surprise about like what's the real meaning or like what's the big picture theme of the story of Joseph. It's, it, it, he, like, it's in the last chapter and it goes um, a little something like this. Joseph says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. And what we said the very first week of um, the very first week of this series is that God takes what the world gives and intends for its own reasons and he repurposes it for his own good. That there is a reason that something happens and then there is the real reason that something happens. Or there is a reason that something happens and then there is a reason that God brings out of the reason that something happened. Okay? And so the beginning of the story, like you can never, you can never describe the end of the story by only looking at the beginning of it. Right? Because God is constantly working in the timeline of that story to bring about his own purposes, to bring about his own good, to bring about his own will. And what we're going to see this morning is that sometimes that good has nothing to do with us. Like that good never comes to our, comes like and finds itself at our doorstep. Right? It's kind of a sobering, it's kind of a sobering reality, but um, I believe a holy one. Okay? So, will you pray with me one more time as we close up Joseph this morning and pray, Lord, Father in heaven, that you um, would just reveal yourself to us in the story of Joseph one last time this morning, that you would make clear, Father, how you are repurposing the pain, the hurt, the brokenness, the anger and shame of our own lives, Lord, that you, that you are actively working to repurpose it for your own good and your own purposes, Lord. To accomplish what it is, needs accomplished, Lord. Whether it be for our benefit or for others, we receive it, Father. Father, please open your word to us this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we're going to be mainly in the last chapter of the book of Genesis this morning, okay? So uh, chapter 50 of Genesis. Um, and what happens in this last chapter? What happens in chapter 50 of Genesis? Well, uh, Jacob, who is Joseph's father, is dying. He dies, all right? It's the end of Jacob's story. And, um, and so Joseph and his brothers, they have been living in the land of Egypt, right? And because of Joseph's position in Egypt, because of the favor that he had been shown in Pharaoh's, um, kind of in Pharaoh's kingdom, all of Joseph's family was living under the favor and blessing of Pharaoh. And they had all of the best land, and they had all of the best goods, and they basically, because of Joseph's place, 
because of the favor that Joseph had, really had kind of free reign to live in the favor and blessing of Pharaoh in that time and place. It was kind of like a, it was kind of like a, the song that says, reunited and it feels so good, right? The whole, the whole gang is back together, right? And everything is going super well because Joseph is being, Joseph has been shown the favor of Pharaoh and the favor of God and, and everything could not be going any better. And, and then, um, like happens in life, Jacob, Jacob dies. He's old age and um, he, he passes away. And what then is the response of the family they've been they've been reunited right there's been some like reconciliation there some like you're you're seeing the the strands of redemption going all throughout that story and and then we see joseph's example and it says um it says that in in the verse like first verse basically of genesis chapter 50 that joseph throws himself on his father's body and mourns his death just mourns, lets, lets the emotion, the grief out, right? Let's that, lets that pain wallow to the surface. And, and, and as, a, as a person who has recently lost a parent, I, I can tell you that there is, this, there is this sense of just wanting to like throw yourself down, right? And just mourn and let it like, let it bleed out of you and let it, let it, let it just flow that flow out of you. He honored, Joseph honored his father by, um, by making sure he had a, a proper burial ceremony, honoring his wishes to be buried in a tomb back in his uh, homeland, right? Doing everything that he could in his power to make sure that his father was honored and revered despite whatever type of relationship they may have had in the past. And it's a really good example for us. Um, Joseph's brothers, um, Joseph's brothers, it seemed, reacted in a little bit different way. Uh, while, while Joseph was mourning, while, while the scripture describes Joseph's response as like overwhelmingly sorrowful, uh, Joseph's brothers in Genesis chapter 50, verse 15, um, their minds went to a different place rather than mourning. Uh, uh, scripture says, Genesis 50, verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all of the wrongs that we did to him? Even in a moment where you would think that their mind would go directly to, oh my gosh, our father is gone, our father has died, like in and and responding in this 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 mourning and grief as as Joseph did, their mind like it seems beelined to a to a to another place altogether. Now this isn't the first time that we've seen the the thoughts, the words, the emotions of Joseph's brothers go to a place where it seemed kind of uncommon, right? If you remember back in chapter 42 of Genesis, when 
Joseph and his brothers were reunited, right, after Joseph had been sold into slavery and was down in Egypt in uh, chapter 42, verse 21. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry they, weren't, they hadn't been re- reunited yet, but um, in verse 21, it said they said to one another, uh, because of the way that Joseph was treating them, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. So they had gone down to Egypt to get some grain from Joseph, or from from the Egyptians, and Joseph recognized them, began to play some games with them, put one of their brothers in prison, sent the rest of them back, accusing them of being spies, and their immediate reaction was not like, well, well, geez, that was an unfortunate circumstance. I wish that would have gone a little bit better. Their immediate reaction was, you see, it's, it's because of what we did for, to Joseph. It's a, because of what we did to him that, that, that we're getting paid back for all of this now. And, and then so when Joseph's brother or when Joseph's um, father dies, his brothers, instead of saying, our father is gone, let us grieve, his, their immediate response was, I wonder what Joseph is going to do to us now. I, what, is, what could possibly, what has he got up his sleeve? I hope he's not holding a grudge. I hope that he's just gotten through all of this. You see, um, I think we talked a few weeks ago. Um, we talked a few weeks ago about how, how do wounds heal. Unfortunately, um, time does not heal wounds. Time time. The, the, the saying that time heals all wounds is incorrect. In fact, if you have a wound and you don't deal with it, the only thing that time does is create infection. Right? And make it worse. Okay? Time, time does not heal all wounds. It seems like in the situation with Joseph and his brothers that not only did time not heal this wound that was between them, but the favor that they were living under, all of the resources and gifts and beauty of the place that they were in now, it doesn't seem that that healed the wound either. It doesn't seem like gifts healed the wounds. Everything that Pharaoh could have given to them, that Joseph could have bestowed upon them, it even seems as though just being in close proximity in relationship did not heal the wound, right? Because his brothers were living in the area with Joseph, right? So it's, it's not even as if, well, if I just get, get back like in close relationship with, um, with, with Joseph and we're just like kind of buddy-buddy again and brothers, you know, reunited and it feels so good that... Just being close, that will kind of smooth things over and we, we don't, you know, it will heal it and, and we'll be good. Guess what? Even close relationship and proximity does not heal wounds in the deepest part of us. I think we all can relate to this in some way, shape, or form. I mean, have you, like ever thought maybe that a relationship that you had was good like 
relationship. All good, um, good relationship. We went through some stuff, but we're on the other side of it now. We just kind of like moved on. Like, have you ever thought that our relationship was fine until something happened that triggered the past pain and you realized that you were still carrying that injury with you. You realize that you may have moved on in time. You may have remained in relationship with that other person, right? But something happens and that wound that was created long ago, right, comes festering back to the surface and you realize, I never really dealt with that. Because there it is again, rearing, rearing its ugly head. Time did not make it go away. Favor did not make it go away. Um, blessing did not make it go away. Relationship didn't make it go away. It's still there. Now, the reality is here, a good lesson from the life of Joseph's 11 brothers is that, and I, I, re-re- I reread... Um, the whole story of Joseph, again, um, because I was like, am I sure that Joseph's brothers didn't say, Joseph, we're sorry for what we did. Please forgive us. And I'm like, it's got to be there, right? Like, that would just seem like standard, right? Oh, yeah, sorry about the selling you into slavery thing. My bad. Right? Like you would think that that would be like words number uno coming out of their mouths. Um, not the case. I, read, I reread the whole story. I'm like, no, it's, it's not there. And then like you came to realize that Joseph's brothers had never sought the forgiveness of Joseph. They'd never, they had never, they had never sought forgiveness they had not pursued the the healing of that relationship through forgiveness and and listen this is so important for you to realize this is so important for for us to press into our relationships right listen to this is that forgiveness is an intentional act that cannot be assumed It cannot just be assumed. Well, I mean, we're living, I mean, like, we're, we're friends again, you know? Like, this is great. Life is good now. We're past all of that. Like, I mean, we basically forgive each other. Like, basically, it's like good, right? Until it's not good. Until something happens and you're like, oh, yeah, that really hurt. Oh, yeah, I never let go of that. Oh yeah, I don't like what they did. Oh yeah. And then all of a sudden you realize, I never made an intentional decision or choice to pursue and seek out, not understanding, but forgiveness with this person. Forgiveness. And it it sure seems like Joseph's brother's just kind of assumed that they were good. We're good now. 
But listen, when we only assume forgiveness rather than choosing to pursue it, it creates relational insecurity and fear. When we just assume that forgiveness has happened, without actually going and like choosing and pursuing the act of forgiveness, then what it ultimately creates in our relationships is insecurity and fear. What happens with Joseph's brothers when Jacob dies? When their father dies, right? And that kind of like protection of their dad is lifted off of them and they realize that like, or it's like, it's exemplified that they never actually sought forgiveness. They just moved on in relationship, right? What is their immediate response when Jacob dies? Insecure. And they're fearful of their relationship with Joseph, aren't they? Verse 15, we've read this already. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Oh, we're so sad. Dad's dead. No. What if Joseph holds a grudge against us, pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? Quick, let's make up a lie. That's what they intended, and that's what they went to do, right? So they sent word to Joseph saying, Um, yeah. Um, uh, so dad said that when he dies, you need to forgive us. Verse 16, I mean, I'm not making it up. (laughs) This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of God, your father. When the message came to him, Joseph wept. I don't know why Joseph wept. Maybe it's because for so long he had been holding on to his own hurt, his own pain over this. And finally a moment where like forgiveness was on his doorstep, he felt an opportunity to actually like extend it. Or maybe he wept because he was like, bros, you can't even, you got to do, dad's got to forgive, God, dad's got to ask forgiveness for you. You can't even ask it for yourself. I'm not sure which one it is. It doesn't tell us, right? But it seems even in this moment of deep insecurity in their relationship, right? They were not secure at all in that relationship. They they were not secure in believing that Joseph has, he had forgiven us. He loves us. We are his brothers. This is going to be fine. No, it was all unsteady, shaky ground, nothing but fear, what is going to happen to us now, don't know what to do, don't know how to act, better stay far away from Joseph in case he's holding a grudge, but let's lob a ball over the fence and see if he, he grabs onto it. Forgiveness, listen. Forgiveness frees you and I. Forgiveness frees you and I to pursue trust, safety, and joy in our relationships. We cannot experience 
true trust and safety, which is like security, right? I trust you. I'm safe with you. I don't have to be afraid of what you're going to do or what you're going to say if that hurt or that pain bubbles back up because I, I am confident that you have, I have pursued forgiveness and you have extended it to me and, 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 the, and that the Holy Spirit between us is working to untangle the mess that we've made, right? The Holy Spirit is working to, to untwist those ropes and to make everything good, like maybe not the same, right? But putting it in an order that is like God honoring again. When we pursue forgiveness, we are free to pursue trust and safety in relationships that now bring us joy instead of just filling us with fear. Instead of filling us with insecurity. Instead of filling us with a what happens when. What happens if. What's next? What's going to happen if the other shoe drops? It's all made possible by forgiveness. Now, I don't want to make, I don't, I don't want to make like any rash statements like to somehow assume that I, that I think forgiveness is really easy, right? And you just do it and then it's fine. Like, I get it, right? I've hurt people before and forgiveness has been hard. I've been hurt, and forgiveness has been hard, right? Forgiveness is hard. Totally understand. Totally understand, okay? So much do I understand that, like, I was telling my class this morning, the foundations class, that I'm pretty sure that sometime in the, like, the beginning part of the, like, the beginning part of the upcoming year, 2020, that we'll, like, as a, as a, as a family here, we'll probably do a, a, a pretty serious sermon series on forgiveness um, so that's even so that even I can like be like Lord what what what's going on here why is this so hard what do I do what is forgiveness what isn't forgiveness how does this work in my relationships in my family in my church in my like I mean we got to have it I just don't want to live in fear right I don't want to. I don't want to live in insecurity. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to live. I don't want to live dragging around the hurt of life, like it's chained to me, like a big, like a big metal, uh, like a big metal ball, right? Like a ball and chain. I'm not. I don't want to drag that around my whole life. I don't want people to drag, to drag weights around that I've hurts that I have that I have put on them. People that I have hurt. I don't. I don't want that for them. Like, I, I, don't want, I don't want it for anyone. And so to, to experience freedom is to, is to begin to make intentional, to, intentional choices to, to pursue forgiveness, either granting forgiveness or asking for forgiveness. To do a, a real fierce moral inventory. Let the Holy Spirit speak to us about where we need to pursue that. And when we get to the primary message of Joseph, and I told you this already, it hasn't been a secret throughout the whole thing, it still continues to not be a secret today, is that 
Um, there, there is a primary message of Joseph that, that I believe we all need pressed into our lives. And we see it both in, in two main spots in Joseph's story. We see it in um, chapter 50 where we are today. The whole like what you intended for harm, to harm me. God used to accomplish his own purposes there in, um, in chapter 50, verses 19 through 21. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. But we also have another section here where uh, Joseph even says it beforehand. He says it in a little different way, but he still says it none this, um, all the same. It's when he first um, like makes himself known to his brothers. The first time that he finally like revealed, like, hey, it's actually me, the guy you sold into slavery. And his brothers are understandably like, like, my bad, bro. Um, sorry about that. Verse 40, or chapter 45, okay? Genesis 45, starting at verse 8. I'm sorry, starting at verse 4 and going through verse 8. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Like, surprise. And now, do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. This is a profound statement. Not because even, um, not because it like introduces like the main idea of Joseph's life before like the end of the story. What is profound about it is that Joseph had the foresight, the wisdom, and the ability to see through the reality of his circumstances into what God was doing long before he had any idea that God was doing it. What is also profound here is that Joseph saw what happened to him not as something that God would work out necessarily for good in his own life, but that God would use the hurt that he, that Joseph experienced to bless others. Listen, what Joseph says in, in chapter 45, verses 4 through 8, is that, that God sent him to Egypt to preside and rule over a famine. 
Now, um, I'm not a you know, rocket surgeon or brain scientist or anything like that. But what I know, right, is that, is that the, the allure of going to a foreign land so that you can be the guy in charge during a famine is not like the greatest job advertisement. Right? Like, hey, everything is going to go to crap. Do you want to come be in charge? Yeah, yeah, sign me up. Exactly. Like, oh, where do I sign? Right? Like, no. Like, are you serious? And like, if God had led with that, they're like, uh, hey, Joseph, um, going to be sold into slavery, um, going to be thrown in jail, um, going to be a big famine. Uh, sound good? Want to be in charge? How about no? Like, how about never? Right? Call me back when it's a time of abundance. Call me back when things are great. Call me back when everyone's happy. Call me back when it's good, 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 good. Give me all of that responsibility, Lord. Don't give me all the famine stuff. Right? But what did Joseph see? Joseph had the ability to see through the circumstances, and when he told his brothers, what did he say? He said, God sent me ahead of you to save lives. For two years now, there have been famine in the land. For the next five years, there will not be plowing. God sent me ahead of you to preserve a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. It's almost like Joseph was like, yeah, I'll take on, like, I'm happy. Like, would I have liked, loved to avoid everything that happened? Yeah, sure. But now at least I can see and understand that what did happen to me paved the way for a great deliverance. Paved the way for the saving of many. Now the same is true for the way he saw his story, not just when he was revealed to his brothers, but at the end of the story, in chapter 50, right? Because he could have been like, hey guys, you did this to me, and you're horrible, and get out of Egypt, and don't care to see you ever again. But instead, his reaction was, you had one idea of what this was going to mean. God took your idea and used it to accomplish his purposes. And that's the story of Joseph. The story of Joseph is about God repurposing the circumstances of our lives, no matter how broken, hard, horrible they may seem, to make something beautiful. We've referenced this wall behind me, I think, several times in, uh, in this series, this pallet wall. I mean, all of these pieces of wood used to be something else. Probably functional in their own right, you know. Who knows what they were used to carry or to move around. Right? And we brought them here and we cut them all apart and then we reconfigured them and we reused them and we repurposed them and we, we didn't really have a plan and we just kind of like take a piece of wood and throw it up there and not matching patterns or anything like that. Just, just kind of knowing that we take all the broken pieces 
all of the pieces that on their own, if you were to just hold them, would be like, like fire, good firewood, right? But not really good for anything else, right? You take all of the broken pieces, all of the things that you would rather just cast off, all of the things that you cut apart in life, you put them all up on the wall, and when you finally see the picture at the end, you're like, oh, yeah. Of course. I couldn't see it at the beginning, but I see it now. And the question is, maybe you can't see it. Maybe you can't see it now, right? Maybe, maybe all you see on the floor in front of you is just a bunch of broken, rough, cut-apart pieces of your life that don't seem to go to to go together in any discernible way. But like the story of Joseph, God is weaving them together to create a beautiful mosaic of things that we never thought would go together to make something worthwhile. But in the center of it all is the cross of Christ. The center of it all is the thing that brings purpose to all of the purposeless pieces. I think perhaps one of the things that I'm most encouraged by is the way in which Joseph saw his own pain, his own brokenness, the roughness of his own life as a um, pathway to save others. Because so often we see the pain and brokenness and difficulty and hardship of our lives as purposeless. And if we do find some purpose in them, we usually associate that purpose with our own benefit, right? Well, God was just teaching me to be patient. God was teaching me to trust in him. God was moving me from point A to point Z in my life. And absolutely, 100% would agree with that, that God uses, God can use, God repurposes, God reorients those pieces of our lives to bring clarity to who we are, clarity to who he's calling us to be. And the greatest things I've ever learned about myself, my life, or God, or, or God have been through the most painful circumstances of my life, not the most joyful. And so certainly God does repurpose those things for our own benefit. But what is abundantly clear from the story of Joseph is that God also uses them to speak hope and peace and salvation, and trust, and faith into the lives of others. And so do you have, do you have a picture big enough of your circumstances to include the, them blessing other people? Do you have a perspective clear enough that allows you to step outside of your own personal hurt to see and hear and believe that God may be using what's going on in your life to serve, to bless, to help, to save someone else.
because God does it. God uses it in those ways. Sometimes, listen, sometimes the harm done to us is repurposed by God to save others. Our, our stories, our, our testimonies, our brokenness matters. God can use the roughest circumstances of our lives to speak wholeness into someone else. And if you can find no other purpose in your pain than that, rest in that. Grab onto that. Hold on to it. You might have to white-knuckle that truth for a long time, and I get it, right? Like, you might have to white-knuckle the reality that, I don't know what's going on here, but something's good's got to happen. Right? Been there. Okay? Like, for a long time. I don't know what's going on, like, but I'm just going to hold on, right? I'm just going to trust. I'm just going to believe, right, that God is still here, and God is still working, and God is still repurposing, and maybe the wall of my life is only half done, or maybe it's only a quarter done, or whatever it may be, but it's going to be beautiful in its time. It's going to be beautiful in its time. My prayer for you, um, my prayer for you, uh, the worship, worship team, you can start making your way back up. My, my prayer for you, as we officially close out this uh, series, Joseph, this morning, my prayer is that you would embrace forgiveness. Lord, may we embrace forgiveness. May we embrace it, Father. Um, as something going out from us and as something that we need to receive. Lord, let, let forgiveness be a pathway to healing. Let, let forgiveness be a, halfway, uh, be a, a, a pathway um, to, to freedom. So, Lord, we pray forgiveness in all places, at all times, for all people. But we also pray, Lord, Father, give us an image right now. Give us a clear picture, Lord, to see the palleted pieces of brokenness that we carry around with us, wondering if this ragtag bunch of circumstances and experiences and relationships will ever make sense to us. Father, and we're carrying them in our arms, but they are heavy. And the, the, the splinters that we're getting from them, Lord, we are, we're sick of getting. So Father, we lay them down. We, we, we take them and we just set them down and we take a definitive step back from them. Lord, and ask that as the great builder, the great carpenter of our life, Lord, that you would begin to arrange those pieces. 
so that we may have hope, so that we may believe that all of our brokenness and all of our pain is being put together to make a beautiful mosaic both for us and for others. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus.